Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Brusky and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. Welcome to our post-election debrief podcast. We're going to spend some time talking about what just tore through our state and we'll, we'll look at all, all levels of it, uh, presidential, state Supreme Court. We're going to talk a little bit about what happened in Milwaukee County. I know there's been a lot of talk on Facebook and around progressive movement about some of the drop-off voter situation. We'll talk a bit about that. Talk a bit about right-wing radio and its impact in the Republican primary and in this election. And also uh, Glenn Grothman photo ID. Fun, fun, fun. And actually how we think it actually played out in the primary, particularly with students. And uh, we definitely also want to talk about President Obama this week on corporate inversions and uh, how that connects to what's actually playing out in the election cycle. So with that... We have our full panel, as always, Jorna Taylor. Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna? Good morning, Wisconsin. And Robert Craig, executive director here at Citizen Action. Robert? Good morning, everyone. So we're going to jump right in. We're going to start talking about the presidential, Jorna, um, since you're our lead presidential reporter. (laughs) How did that happen? (laughs) Well, you know, come on. We just, you're the one who tracks this nonstop. You wake up, MSNBC, all of them on, POTUS, POTUS on Sirius, 88.9, listening to music. (laughs) Um, So, all right, the presidential, it was, it was a, Bernie Sanders wave. I mean, he won, what, 14 points? I'm uh, just off the top of my head. I'm sorry. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think he had 56%. Uh, Jorna, if you want to chime in, Uh, but won overwhelmingly and larger than the polls were indicating. um, And turnout was also extraordinarily high. Oh, yes, there we go. 56% right in front of me. Um, But turnout was extremely high on both the Republican and Democratic side, um, but certainly higher on the Republican side, which I think is sort of a defining uh, thing for this election. Jorna, uh, your thoughts on on the presidential to start? Well, we knew that if it came down to this sort of race where there were contested primaries on both sides, that turnout would be high. And and frankly, I think it's great for democracy in general that this many people participated in the election. We can get into the, that I'm sad that the Republican side turned out as high in a few minutes, but... um, I I think because primaries, and especially spring elections, tend to be these low turnout election cycles, hopefully this shows some momentum, some excitement, and some interest in this this cycle in general. in terms of Bernie versus Hillary, you know, I'm I'm with her. Hashtag I'm with her. Um, but you know, she won one county. But I think it's a really important county to note that she won. Where in some African American wards, she beat Bernie Sanders two to one and three to one with African Americans. So I don't think that this was a loss for Hillary Clinton. They certainly did not put the um, time and energy at the end into the state in the same way Bernie lived here for the last, I don't know, almost 10 days of the campaign. It was a line in the sand for him, and and he made that known. So I'm not surprised at this kind of turnout. So real quick, um, the state had been predicting around 40%. We ended up, I think, uh, 40, 49%, I want to say. You know, regardless, certainly a historic kind of uh, turnout. And we'll put that down, mark that in the sand. It's an excellent point in terms of looking forward to New York. Um, Hillary did do extremely well in the African-American community, particularly in Milwaukee. I believe in Madison, where there's a small African-American community, it went for Sanders. But nonetheless, in what you might see as a more traditional, like we're going to see in New York, um, she did do extremely well. So Sanders clearly uh, still has some work to do there, which is worth pointing out. Robert, your thoughts? 
Well, just on the voting thing, as a progressive, I think all voting is good, unlike the other side <laughs> that only wants certain people to vote. And so I'm glad that Republicans turned out. Uh, we'll talk later. I'm concerned about the barriers that were put up uh, in front of p other people that uh, conservatives would rather not have vote. But it's, it's good that people are voting. That only, the only thing they can give breathe legitimacy into our democracy, which it doesn't have right now, because there is an anti-establishment backlash on both sides, and rightly so. Uh, the other side has unconstructive solutions to that emotion, and it, uh, but nonetheless, there's a, there's a, uh, their, their underlying instinct that there is something uh, rotten in Denmark is, there definitely is accurate. are emotions, yes. So then, as far as Bernie and Hillary, I certainly agree with Jorna that the African-American vote uh, for Hillary is very worth noting and will have a bigger impact in places like New York and Pennsylvania and California. Uh, but I also want to point out that the, the numbers for young people are really amazing. So off the top of my head, I think I saw in Matt's been studying the numbers that, it, that Bernie got 80% for voters 18 to 29 and, and, and beat Hillary uh, from voters from 30 to 45, 2 to 1. Uh, so there is really something happening with young people. That is the future of the progressive movement, quite frankly. This is the millennial generation is the most progressive in decades. And there is something about this 75-year-old Jewish guy from Brooklyn, former socialist, uh, that's highly attractive. And There's I, something about Bernie. Yeah. And I, I think it is dying over that there. he is a much sharper critique of there being something wrong because uh, young people are very worried that they have far less opportunity uh, than previous generations while coming in with huge debt, doing all the right things and still not getting a decent job. And then also that he is aspirational in what's possible. So whereas I thought it was a really telling thing in the Wisconsin primary to stick to the debate there, when Hillary tried in part of the Wisconsin primary to talk about how it would cost too much to have free college tuition. I don't think that's going, and it would be $300 million, which is the same amount that Walker had cut out of, out of primary secondary education. Young people aren't buying that. They're looking at all the other things we spend money on, Walker's WEDAC, uh, highways to nowhere, uh, mili uh, you know, mil planes and military equipment for the Cold War, not for any kind of current threat, and say, why the heck can't we have free tuition? We did in the 1960s. And so that's appealing to people. But I do think that Hillary... Uh, has become a much better candidate because of, of Bernie's campaign, and that if she is the general election candidate, which seems likely, uh, that she that she will have Bernie to thank. As angry as she is at Bernie, and Bernie <laughs> is at her, uh, she'll have Bernie to thank for really battle testing her and making her clarify uh, what she would do and what she sees what she sees oh. is wrong with the status quo. Oh, Robert, Robert, the the anger between Bernie and Hillary only pales in comparison to the anger between both their supporters. We'll save that for another podcast. Jordan, I want to give you the last, just sort of sum up a little bit on the presidential before we yeah, go into well, state I, I Supreme actually, Court. Can we talk about the Republican yeah, yeah. primary oh, yeah, yeah, for, yeah, for just absolutely. a second? Um, and I guess... I think it's really worth noting what has been happening. And um, you mean stop Trump? <laughs> I mean, I mean stop all of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the empowerment that these frontrunner candidates on the Republican side and their some dog whistle and their some blatant ring the bell racist policies and politics have been bringing out. You know, some podcast listeners may have. Uh, may be friends of mine on the face spaces and may see that I got into a bit of an altercation with a gentleman, I won't call him a gentleman, but a guy in a bar after the big Democratic Party fundraising gala on Saturday night 
um, because I had a Hillary Clinton sticker on my dress and was having a cocktail with a friend and the sort of empowerment that these Republican presidential candidates are allowing to happen and, and giving to their supporters to attack in particular women right. uh, is is really frightening to me as a woman uh, in politics and in, in general, you know, I mean, Donald Trump saying that we should be punished uh, if we have an abortion and all of these, this, this, I don't know, it's just vitriolic hatred of women and that they feel that it's okay to say that in public with no ramifications. Right. Um, this is something that we're going to continue to watch play out over the next you know, six months, and that's really frightening to me. And this high turnout in Wisconsin, I think, on the Republican side, feeds that narrative for sure. Let me pick up on uh, the gender theme, which is very important and would be important in this race, not only because we have potentially the first woman can uh, president, uh, but also because of what's coming from the other side. Uh, Charlie Sykes and his right-wing uh, uh, talk radio compatriots have gotten all this national cred now for taking down Trump. Sykes was on MSNBC repeatedly, even, even Wednesday night again with Lawrence O'Donnell, and he's trying to pretty it all up. I would call it put uh, lipstick, on a, lipstick on a pig, and is saying that Republican voters in Southeast Wisconsin turned against Trump's anti-woman attitudes. And he wasn't talking about PC liberal stuff. He was just talking about abusive stuff. And so this was a comment on Trump and his style and his coarseness and his attitude towards women. I'm sorry. The wow counties around Milwaukee simply got the dog whistle that establishment Republicans wanted them to vote for Cruz and not Trump. And the exit polls show they barely know who Cruz is. Okay, and this had nothing to do with some high-minded defense of, of gender equity. <clears throat> so I just want to point that out. And, and, we, and if Trump is defeated by Cruz, I don't think the coarsening will be reduced. Cruz is just better at the dog whistle, so it'll be a little harder to pull it out. But my goodness, he's someone who wants to basically have government tell women what they can do uh, in, 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 every, in every possible way with their own bodies and with their reproductive health. And they don't want women to talk back, have opinions, mm -hmm. or lead. Let me be very clear. Oh, yeah. They do not want women to lead. No, I think that's an excellent point. I want to um, I want to point out uh, for folks who want to follow up on a little bit about Robert's talking about uh, Charlie Sykes and the role of conservative right wing media here in Wisconsin, particularly talk radio. Um, we're going to put a link to uh, Wisconsin Public Radio's discussion Friday morning. Uh, Jessica McBride, not someone I normally would be on here talking about how excellent uh, she was, but she really was fantastic for the first half hour of the show, talking about how uh, right wing media, right conservative talk radio, and the critical role it played in that you actually, if you lay over across the turnout around the state, it cruises support. And Trump's not lack of support lays over the blueprint of Jerry Bader and the southeastern Wisconsin media. And when you get out into the reaches where it does not go, Trump was leading in a number of those, or certainly it was much more. Um, so, so while certainly statewide, the full battle axe of you know the the mailers and a lot of the television, I think, was getting to everyone. But that instrumental sort of independent variable of of, uh, of conservative radio in Milwaukee. And how important it is. Um, she really talked about it, and I, and so I, I, if people want to hear more about that, I think uh, she talked very openly as someone who you know has access to those those networks and understands what was going on, and, and very much laid out how it was an absolute coordinated effort uh, to to take out Trump. 
So um, with that, before we transfer over completely, and I, Jordan, I want to pick up on your, you know, part of what you were talking about as it relates to Kloppenberg and part of what might be happening in some of these races. Robert, the, the other issue I want us to talk about in the presidential is, is the role of outsourcing in trade and how this played in uh, both. We talked about a little bit on, on Hillary's position on, on outsourcing and how we really love it, uh, the clawback, but how Bernie's been talking about it. And on the Republican side, the two main candidates uh, are speaking against trade, with the exception of Kasich, who I think, what do you get, 14%? Let me check my tally. Yeah, trade, central issue. And um, today, uh, Bernie, that right away, that's all he's talking about uh, immediately, and I assume it's going to continue in New York. So, Robert, your thoughts on, on this issue? Because we care deeply about it. And I would broaden it out to do our, I was lobbied this weekend for having messenger minutes, Matt. Yep. So for our messenger minute, I would broaden it out to outsourcing, and that is to say, because outsourcing takes into account not only rigged trade agreements, but corporate inversions, right, where you essentially avoid responsibility for, uh, for, for paying back to the community that made your profit and business possible. And also what WEDEC and Governor Walker is doing, which is giving money to companies that outsource more jobs than they create, that we pay them to create, and don't even have to show they create a net balance of jobs. And so it's outsourcing. It's all about essentially undermining workers at the behest of large CEOs who, who financially support politics. Rigging the economy? Yes. So, and and that was Bernie's line, but Bernie and Trump crisscrossed the state on the issue of outsourcing and global trade. Uh, but what's interesting is, is the way, not just in Wisconsin, but in the whole primary campaign, they've pulled their major opponents their way, with the exception, as Matt pointed out, of Mr. Kasich. And so we not only have Hillary uh, taking a different position on TPP, which she had once called a gold standard and now she is against, uh, but also taking a, in fact, much more direct view on tax subsidies to companies than Bernie has taken. It's better than Bernie on it. Yeah, saying that she wants to claw back the tax uh, benefits of any company that outsources, which is fantastic and is very much along the lines of the bill that we worked on with Senator Hansen and Representatives uh, Jorgensen and Kolsky here at the state level. Uh, bills, by the way, that had party-line votes against them. So all the Republican incumbents are on record saying they want to al allow companies to outsource to get state subsidies and tax benefits. And then you have Ted Cruz who it is hard to believe doesn't believe in completely uh, rigged uh, trade agreements. Let's not call it free trade. It's not. Uh, suddenly is now, even though he voted for Fast Track, now against Fast Track uh, for, t for the Trans-Pacific Partnership, TPP, against TPP. And in his last campaign ad, kind of a morning in America ad for Ted Cruz, as incongruous as that seems, uh, he says that he's going to bring all the jobs back from China to Wisconsin. So it's amazing. The only So you literally have a unified position that the economy is ri being rigged by uh, against average people and that we need to say no to these trade agreements, a trade agreement that might really go through in the lame duck session in the fall, in the winter, though we will object strenuously and others will as well. And even apparently a president-elect Cruz would object to that. Well, that's got Robert animated as well he should be. Um, look, I would expect that we're going to see a pushback from the economists and the mainstream media on this oh, issue. Oh, it's already coming. It's oh, a, oh, it's yeah, not. That's coming. And I was asked by, because I've done some national radio on this, well, isn't it automation and robotics and it's not really and I go 
look, that's a complete straw man argument. No one's saying that we're going to have exactly the same jobs we had in the 1970s, 80s, or 90s. We're saying that these agreements are not being negotiated with workers in mind, either in the U.S. or overseas. They're being negotiated uh, essentially to make the most profit possible by multinational corporations, allow them to play off workers against each other so they can increase the amount of take they get and reduce it for workers in the U.S. and around the world. That has nothing to do with automation or robotics. Of course, it's got an evolving economy where they're going to be different jobs in the 21st century than they were in the 20th century. Get that guy a mocha or a Tylenol. <laughs> Holy smokes. He's fired but up. It's already no, it's started good. is the yeah. point, Matt. We haven't That's even the gotten... short answer. No, started as far as all the mainstream economists being quoted. Oh, yeah. oh Bernie and Donald, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. just so misguided. Oh, oh, oh. Well, yeah. look, look uh, one thing I... Before we move on, and I want to move on to the Supreme Court, I, I do think the big takeaway from the GOP is Trump, for better or worse, is very damaged in this. Like it does hurt him, and he needs to. God. He needs no, to he like wasn't damaged already. No, but like electorally, <laughs> right? Like his his plan to get enough delegates where he could go win a contested election appears really, really severely. But, but watch. <laughs> so, here's, the th- here's the thing now. Right. It is. A, it it's is fascinating that voters for Cruz in Wisconsin virtually know nothing about him. There's been a lot of concentration on Trump. If Cruz, now that he's been highlighted this way, there's going to be a lot more analysis and uh, public information about Mr. Cruz. And I think the, the media lens will be focusing on him much more than before. And I don't think it's going to be pretty. It's definitely not pretty. All right, all right. We're gonna we're, we're, we're gonna move on from uh, Lion Ted Cruz. That's my best Donald Trump Twitter. Um, so, Jorna, why don't you kick us off on the state Supreme Court? Obviously, it is. Um, I think it's clearly the most disappointing uh, aspect of of the election for all of us, and we've talked quite a bit about this. And uh, we had a full interview with Joanne Kloppenberg last week, which was excellent, by the way. I mean, clearly laid out the differences, but. Look, um, we covered early on that Republicans turned out at a higher level level in the presidential. In fact, um, there were 94,000, almost 95,000 more votes in the, pre- in the primary for, for Republicans, okay, than there were for the Democrats. The margin for Joanne Kloppenberg was 91,247, so a little bit smaller than that margin. So actually, she did a little bit better and got a few, not much, a little bit. But let's take into uh, account that we know she was wildly outspent, right, about four to one, if not more, uh, because a lot of the stuff doesn't get tracked. Um, And so it it was an incredibly difficult dynamic. Um, And we'll talk more about then the drop-off and how that might have played a little bit in. But, Jordan, I want to get your overall thoughts. Look, you know, we can talk about presidential politics till we're blue in the face right now because it's sexy and fun, but you're exactly right that this was the most important thing on the ballot on Tuesday. These are 10-year terms, and we had such a stark contrast between somebody who would have made a wonderful, impartial justice on our state Supreme Court, our very dysfunctional state Supreme Court, where regularly choking and things like that go on, Um And then you had somebody who thinks that gays are degenerates and should die of AIDS and that I tried to murder somebody this morning when I took my birth control pill. I mean, this is this is amazing to me that Republicans either didn't see that or are just that lockstep into their 
party line and the talking points and hatred of women and the LGBT community and I don't know, things that are fair and equality and justice that they would vote for Rebecca Bradley, who clearly has conflicts of interest and doesn't recuse herself and, oh, wait, actually walked out of a hearing once and um, just is going to be such she's going to add to the dysfunction of this state supreme court in in so many more ways and it's so incredibly disappointing to me that we had that this happened and that clearly there there wasn't anything we could do from a turnout perspective it looks like robert well as much as progressives would like campaigns to be about issues in fact we try to make them about issues that's really really one of the central missions of citizen action wisconsin political scientists will tell you that voting is much more based on party identification cues about which side is the right side for you and which we've already identified with and so matt's point is is that in fact joe joanne kloppenberg outperformed the democratic versus republican turnout so we actually did fairly well but if we don't change the turnout composition in these sort of elections the spring election we will lose repeatedly and that we will even lose to a candidate as inexperienced and as damaged with as much vulnerability as a as a as a bradley thank you i mean that, uh, to me that is one of the bigger biggest takeaways you know it's like the nate silver election here right like it's just it's a almost it's all about data and you know we can go after Kloppenberg and whatever but she's grossly outspent and and you know I think a lot of the Marquette stuff didn't get out I mean it, right. I yeah because it was less than a million dollars spent going after Bradley which was pittance compared to what they did take an awful lot to take a partisan Republican oh, voter yeah. and make them vote against their their, well, their partisan some, affiliation. Some of that went on, very little, but yeah. some of it went on, and it, and so you know. we, if it's a turnout game, then we need to rethink Supreme Court strategy, and we need to think about turnout, which means we need to think about field. In other words, we can't win a Supreme Court race on TV. We know that about presidential elections, but we haven't quite learned it. And as much as we want to do all these TV ads. We will still lose. They will have more money, and their voters will turn out more than ours in a spring election, uh, unless we change that dynamic by changing turnout. That also means, I think, not just temporary turnout campaigns, but we need to invest in organizing this state at a permanent level that permanently engages communities that turn out at lower levels. And we're, we're not really doing that. We're still doing, we're doing a little of it. There are a lot of people who want to do it. There aren't the resources. There isn't the focus to actually change that. There's nothing natural about the idea that Democrat constituencies vote less than Republican. They're trying to make it natural by photo ID and other activities. Uh, but we need to rethink that whole thing and not run campaigns like we're sitting in the 1980s again with political consultants who think you can just win on TV. Jorna, you're well, I. While I don't disagree that we need to change how we approach and attack <laughs> these these spring elections and these state Supreme Court races, it is incredibly disheartening to me that, that we have to do that and that we have to think more like Republicans instead of trying to change hearts and minds, we have to think more politically and strategically. And the fact that we know that we aren't going to be able to turn a you know party identified republican voter away from something that may not actually hold true within their core being right i mean i would be willing to bet that there are a lot of republican women that voted for rebecca bradley on tuesday that take birth control i would be willing to bet that there were some log cabin republicans that voted for rebecca bradley on tuesday and, and that's well, I, and here's what's happened in part let me be clear this is also about polarization of the wisconsin electorate 
Okay, so 20 years ago, they were like 40 percent uh, kind of swing voters in the state. That's not true anymore. And what Walker brought on since Act 10 has created this division where it's much harder to get people to cross over from one side to the other. And so that's the new environment we need to cope with, unfortunately, which means that they're less persuadable in TV ads, especially when you're out guns, as Matt's point. Well, look, I... I don't want to undersell the role of TV ads, and it's not just TV anymore. It's a, they're connected to sophisticated digital programs that are tracking you and where you go, and and making sure that the quote right messages are delivered to the right person, and 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 that is evolving at uh, tremendous speed. We need that. We need more of that. We need to think about that. As long as these campaigns or as long as these elections remain in this ridiculous uh, that we have them, I want to make a pitch again that these ought, we ought not be having these kinds of elections. But that's another conversation. But w- since we do, uh, look, progressives, we have a strategy that the next two Supreme Court elections are absolutely must win now, and we need actually, I would argue, a better integrated field strategy that takes into consideration the television, the, the evolving digital, and how that connects to a phone, mail, and field on the doors program with that's better connected to some of the organizing Robert's talking about. We need to think about that long term. But, you know, we're leaving too many voters uh, that are dropping off, and we need to talk about that, right? It's happening throughout the state. Um, but in Milwaukee, it happened at a significant level. We had, we had, you know, over twenty percent drop off of people who voted for for uh, a Democratic presidential candidate and then didn't vote for the Supreme Court. In fact, it was even worse than that. We had over ten thousand who actually voted for 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 uh, Rebecca Bradley, um, and that is probably because, well, geez, we have. You have to run a fairly sophisticated program to do that and cover all of Milwaukee. But you know what? If we're going to win, we're going to have to think about that or at least think about the reality of these kinds of drop-off numbers and what's the strategy to actually win and who are those folks that we need to get out in a polarized environment. And, by the way, if we're actually going to go get some people from the other side, what's the message? What's the positive message that might actually appeal to them and start to build over the long time? But anyways, I just, you know, this is, um, this is, a, this is a lift for us. We should not be blaming the presidential candidates nope. for turning out lots of people that we need to figure <laughs> out how to get them to vote down the ticket. There were efforts, and there were certainly a lot of thoughts, a lot of bright people thinking about this. But we, we obviously still have work to do, so that's... Uh, I mean, that's let's my sense. It. Yeah, and let's do it. And and we can do it. We've got some, they got some, excuse my language, shitball uh, Supreme Court candidates to defend coming up Co- here. So there's opportunities. A couple other quick things. I think Joanne Kloppenberg was an excellent candidate uh, that she really developed and as a candidate. And so by the general, I think she was actually extremely good. And you can see that in the podcast we had last week. I think the other thing we learned, which we should have learned for a while, but let me reinforce this. We don't need to be looking for candidates that have no record because they're going to make it up. That's what we learned. So we've been jo- we were joking for months about how are they going to link uh, uh, the, the, the progressive Supreme Court candidate to child molesters. Well, they've basically made it up. If you'd ruled in any motion that ever benefited anyone, whoever was convicted of child molestation, then you were pro-child molester. So that's what we're seeing here. And so this has to be about defending uh, you know, positive vision and, and getting voters out. This cannot be about some sort of stealth candidate, because that, believe me, they'll have the same ads no matter who the candidate is. 
So before we move on to, I want to talk about voter ID. I also want to briefly talk just a little bit more about Milwaukee County because it was very important. Everybody knows there was a major county executive race that um, our endorsed candidate, Chris Larson, lost. Um, but I do want to talk about the Working Families Party and uh, that was heavily involved, in fact, instrumental uh, in helping support Chris Larson and point out that what went on there was much bigger than just Chris Larson. There were an, a number of candidates uh, that were supported for uh, city council and county board that actually won, including removing a very conservative uh, alderman, Robert Puente, and replacing uh, with Shantia Lewis. And, and, and there were Chevy, Chevy Johnson, Khalif Rainey, uh, Marcelia Nicholson at the county board level. There were some excellent people elected, and Justin Belinsky, almost beat Bob Donovan, lost by less than 100 votes. And so that effort in these local races is, is something that I think needs to be replicated. And I think when we dig into the numbers, we're going to find areas where uh, there were significant field operations through the working families, particularly in the African-American neighborhoods. It's going to be areas where more areas where Larson won, and we had maybe some less drop-off. We'll have to see. That'll, that may uh, have some things that show... Uh, some of the kind of things we need to do. But anyways, um, want to talk about Glenn Grothman's comments, um, basically essentially saying, and I will, Brian, let's, let's play the video. Take me forward to November. You know that a lot of Republicans since 1984 in the presidential races have not been able to win in Wisconsin. Why would it be any different for Ted Cruz or a Donald Trump? Well, I think Hillary Clinton is about the weakest candidate the Democrats have ever put up. And now we have photo ID, and I think photo ID is going to make a little bit of a difference as well. So, you know, basically admitting the only reason we're doing this is to help win critical presidential elections when we know these little margins will matter. Uh, Glenn pretty much hi. lays it out very cockily, right, or however you want to say that. Uh, just sort of laying out there on Channel 4 for everyone. Uh, and by the way, um, it's I want to attach this to the fact that there is a lot of evidence that actually students were suppressed in the primary, particularly at UWM. If you look at the turnout at UWM, it is not it is not outstanding, to be honest, right, um, Jorna? So Glenn Grothman is such an embarrassment to Wisconsin. My God. So for anybody who you know wasn't listening to the clip. He basically says that this is how the GOP is going to win through voter suppression. <laughs> uh, you know, we just we we progressives sitting in this room just a few minutes ago may recall that we talked about how we are glad that Republicans turned out because democracy is a good thing. You do not hear our side, even in our hearts when we're sad <laughs> that we get beat. We still think democracy is a good thing. And so. The fact that there are elected officials who are just very blatantly saying that this is so awesome for voter suppression and we want to keep black people and brown people and students and women away from the polls is fascinatingly scary. Um, so on the student tip, though, yes. so photo ID, as everybody knows, was in effect starting this February for the primary for the first time. And so this was the first major election. And we're, let's call it what it is. This was a major election with high turnout. And students had an extra burden besides just having to produce a photo ID if they used their student ID with expiration date within two years of issuance. They also had to provide another form of 
proof of residency that they actually were a student at UWM or Madison or Marquette, such as a tuition bill, which may get sent to their parents and not be in their name. They, the university was required to, or could have provided a student housing list, but Let's be honest, we know that those aren't always the best and most up-to-date, or who knows if they actually got to the right poll worker or to all of the polling locations. So students had such an extra burden. And if you're a student, and I was one at UWM, and I was really active, you know, I got a lot of other things than standing in a long line to try and dig out my tuition bill or something. And the to lines try were long, vote. right, Jorna? The lines were long everywhere, which is great, again, for democracy. But when you have these added burdens, all it does is is systematically disenfranchise people who are trying to make this world a better place. There's another there's another issue with this voter ID with uh, uh, the photo ID that that people don't understand is happening, and we heard stories of it from canvassers, uh, for example, in Mequon, where if you are registered and your ID does not have your actual address on, it doesn't have to. People were turned away and told in Mequon that they couldn't vote. This was in an early vote. The, mm-hmm. the clerk actually ended up letting the person vote for a reason that had absolutely nothing to do, it, like it was not a legal reason. They should have allowed them because the, this parent really pressed and was like, are you kidding me? Um, but that's what they were telling this. I, and this is the kind of stuff, these stories you're not going to hear about because the person walks away and assumes that, oh, I, I, I need to have a, a photo ID that actually has my accurate address, even though I'm registered, which is not the my case. My ID, I early voted at City Hall or, well, at the municipal building in Milwaukee, and three people not only asked me to see my photo ID, but also took it out of my hand, which all of those things were not okay. And, you know, for me, as a white girl who wears pearls, I was annoyed by that. But that's incredibly disenfranchising for many people that have now, you know, handed over sensitive personal information. Like, that's not okay. None of this is okay. Yeah, and and obviously it it was beautiful that Glenn could just lay out very clearly for everyone uh, what one of the top reasons he believes that they'll be victorious this fall. Not just a side reason. One of the top he thought he'd point out on a 30-second interview. You know, I want to thank Congressman Grothman. And I've done that a few times when he was a state senator. He's someone who, uh, who just says what he thinks. Ugh. And mostly that's disturbing. But in this case, he's not willing to talk in the code. So the right is accusing us of whining on this. And I would just say that I am sick and tired of the sanctimonious statements by Governor Walker and others that claim this is about fraud and about voting security, which it clearly is not. It has nothing to do with. And then even worse the allegedly originalist right-wing justices that all find a way to vote in favor of allowing laws that make it more likely for conservatives to win, regardless of any proof that there's any fraud going on. And here's the thing, and we're talking about identity theft photo um, uh, voter fraud, which is virtually non-existent, okay? And so the standard is obvious. The standard has to be that the only justification for making it harder to vote in any way is some is is an actual threat uh, to to vote to voting integrity that actually would under that would basically undermine the public's right to elect its own candidates. In other words, at a scale that literally undermines democracy. And there is nothing remotely like that. And I'm just amazed. This is the new Jim Crow. This is the new you know poll tax. And I said to the poll workers in Bayview, I said, uh, I give you this under protest, and they were all, Oh, you can talk to the official. Look, I know it's the law, but what's next? Poll poll taxes. They, of course, didn't want to say anything. 
Uh, but we, I, I encourage people to at least have a banter so the people in the line that you're standing in that you wouldn't have if you wouldn't have this law, we had a lot of lines in Bayview, actually hear some resistance to this uh, unfair and unjust provision. So before we close, I want to... Oh, Jorna's got... Hold on. Sorry. Real sorry. quick, we I didn't know. do our favorite part of every... Oh, Paul Ryan. Why? Because well, I'm is... not done yet. I'm okay. st we still have corporate inversions. I, I do want to briefly... But we don't want to move to that because it's about elections. Okay, so Jorna, why don't we talk yeah. about Paul Ryan? Let's I hear... talk about Paul Ryan. I, Ryan. I, know, I just haven't heard much from him the last couple of weeks with, you know, Ryan all the talk. Well, that's the thing. So, um, 538 has an article that uh, basically says that Ted Cruz, not Paul Ryan, would probably win in this um, much salivated over contested convention wow. and let's be honest I'm super salivating about this well, I actually, as now well. that makes it more interesting I'd like to see Paul Ryan lose to, to, to as I mean Trump says lion Ted Cruz you know this I'm again like I'm super excited that they're gonna have a shit show and I'll be front and center TV or bar watching this happen um but I think it is a fascinating we went from Donald Trump is going to walk away with this to oh shit Donald Trump might be our nominee. Maybe we can get Paul Ryan to run in a brokered convention to now Ted Cruz. The delegate math doesn't look like it's there for Donald Trump. And well, maybe not Ted Cruz either. So we're going to have a contested convention. So who's going to save us out of this to now? Not Paul Ryan. We're going to be stuck with Cruz in some sort of Republican debacle. Little problem when you spend all this money uh, elevating Ted Cruz and uh, you get what you get. <laughs> all these people go to the polls for him. Suddenly there might be some interest in this lion Ted Cruz. <laughs> so, look, we're going to move to uh, uh, the corporate inversions and um, President Obama this week actually leading on a very important issue. And it, of course, ties in exactly to what we talked about earlier in terms of how outsourcing and, and really our rigged economy and the conversation that's occurring around it is uh, central to the to the presidential race. Um, so the big the big news was these Panama Papers, right? That had over twenty oh. news organizations around the country collaborate and work together. Nobody leak them, and then drop all this stuff. It's, I mean, to me, I I'm not a I don't have a lot of great faith in, quote, the mainstream media or media, but, like, this is powerful, and it's on the right stuff, right? Looking at the fundamental angst that not only Americans but people all over this world have about this sort of rigged economy that includes both individuals but also corporate interests and, and how you disentangle those uh, is difficult because the CEOs have such a self-interest. But let's listen to President Obama this week and how he took talking about things that impact individuals in the Panama and applied it to what's going on here in the, in the country, which is really, really important. So I am very pleased that the Treasury Department has taken new action to prevent more corporations from taking advantage of one of the most insidious tax loopholes out there and fleeing the country just to get out of paying their taxes. This directly goes at what's called corporate inversions. They are not new. Simply put, in layman's terms, it's when big corporations acquire small co uh, companies and then change their address to another country on paper in order to get out of paying their fair share of taxes here at home. So this is something that I've been pushing for a long time. So obviously, President Obama is 
does an excellent job of explaining <laughs> incredibly complicated concept in some ways. In fact, I wonder how much time was put into the writing that two sentences where he clearly lays it out. He, he slipped there with corporation instead of companies to help lay it out. But Robert, your thoughts? Well, he's very good at that. I mean, just from a rhetorical analysis standpoint, he's very much, he's, he's, he kind of does a Mr. Rogers kind of thing about big issues sometimes, where he says, boys and girls, here's how this works. And uh, he's actually quite good at that. Uh, but look, I mean, it is it has become so incredibly gross what corporate what lengths corporate America will go to to avoid any of its obligations back to the country that made its profits and, and possible, right? Uh, that it that it's shaming everyone and it's and it's uh, turning a lot of politicians, particularly ones on the ballot, but Governor I mean President Obama is not uh, into populace on this issue. And we're by the way because this needs to kind of reveal, it's become, it's something that's been going on for a while, but it's becoming more and more revealing. I want to point out what the business response is and point out this is a response that a lot of politicians have gone along with for years and shouldn't. This is from USA Today. Uh, the action has fueled tension between U.S. corporations uh, that believe the government doesn't actually grasp economic factors. And political leaders who say companies take advantage of tax loopholes and vulnerable consumers. So the economy somehow, uh, the factors of the economy somehow, and, and the way the economy works somehow justifies basically looting the country and avoiding all responsibility for paying anything back. It's just classic, but this is what's been used to justify these rigged trade agreements for two, for two decades, but this kind of talk. Robert, you're, you're treating these companies as if they aren't citizens with full, equal voices under the law I'm of Citizens citi United. I'm ignoring <laughs> Citizens United, and they feel badly. <laughs> I just want them to have the responsibilities other people have, Jorda. Uh, well, yes, yes, you do. But, you know, like all good rich Americans. <laughs> Look, we're going to obviously continue to watch this issue. We think it's huge. Um, it's what's, huge. It's huge. <laughs> and it's wrong. Uh, by the way, uh, Donald Trump's Twitter has gone remarkably silent uh, since his don't Wisconsin defeat. don't follow Donald Trump Twitter. Okay, if you don't follow Donald Trump, Trump's Twitter, you are missing... Donald Trump that, Twitter? Say I'm that having a hard time fast. talking, you know? Uh, it is unbelievable, because it's vintage Trump, and it's, by the way, it's how he's primarily communicating <laughs> these days. Um, uh, so, anyways, uh, we're going to obviously continue to watch this and uh, going forward. So, with that, we want to get to our weekend furlough. Jorna, what are you doing? Uh, so everybody's other favorite horse, Reno, Reno. Oh, yes. is going to go to a horse show this weekend. Do you go? Or I'm going as Reno, well. Reno and I are Reno? going to a horse it's show. It's a horses only show. It's, yeah. it's a horses only. Horses are very special. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really excited because our big show season starts Memorial Day weekend. And um, so this is a practice show. And Excellent. Reno will be sad to go, but I'm very excited. Well, there we go. Obviously, the elections are over. Uh, we're back to Reno. Uh, Robert, what are you doing? Well, I'm so burned out from the election. I've burned not made out. Oh, Robert. A lot of plans, but I did see that. I hope it's warm enough to bike. I haven't checked. But, uh, snow. Oh, it's snow. Perfect. I've already started training for the River West 24. But I got the invite yes. to, to pay for the River West 24 in advance and not pamp out on May 1st because I volunteered last year. There's no camping no this camping. year. Yeah. Lottery, so it's Lottery, even more important okay. that you volunteer. So no more festival no in the River West. No. They'll still be drunk, and, Denzians in the park. <laughs> yes. And then maybe I will get to actually 
watch on TV, not in person, a Cubs game. I've not uh, gotten to see right. one yet. Robert's and, a Cubs fan. And uh, the Cubs are us. the Cubs are guaranteed by uh, to win the World Series, which means they will not. But it should be interesting anyway. They're guaranteed to play some baseball. <laughs> well, I'm fully expecting the Brewers to be in the first of their three hundred hundred plus lost seasons. <laughs> order to rebuild but anyways so yeah this weekend uh i'll be at the dirt track in pekin illinois Woo-hoo. do you know the nickname of the uh, sports teams you know i think school? i i, I don't I, I think i was i think i did hear it it's the pekin chinks oh okay and it's well. named after the railroad workers that put pekin on the map back in the day uh and uh, so a pair that might be you we're running around in one of their Shirts, Matt. Furlough is always Robert's strength. Um, I will be at the Pekin Motorcycle Club dirt track on Sunday with my son racing motorcycles, which it's it's been a long winter, and uh, it started last weekend, and so very it's just great. I actually got a little bit of sun last weekend, so summer is not far around the corner, and with that, we're going to wrap this one up as Brian Woolridge is tired of, the tired of recording us. Anyways, we'll see you next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin.